Welcome back to the Fantasy Show here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese with you. Kind of fun to be back, man. We haven't done an episode in a, a couple of months, certainly, since the Super Bowl ended. And here we are recapping the 2023 NFL Draft, certainly from a fantasy football perspective. It was funny, the, the NFL Draft, round one at the very least, was going on at, at the same time as the Leafs game, or one of the Leafs games, as they took on the Lightning in the first round. So I was like, I was admittedly watching the NFL draft with a lot of interest, but at the same time, I wanted to see where Bijan Robinson went and where some of these other, like, who are the Patriots going to draft? Were they actually going to take a running back themselves? And all sorts of these things, who are the Packers going to take to help out Jordan Love? And the Leafs game, I admit, uh, had me a bit distracted. Uh, Yeah, I was in the same boat and I was following a lot of the picks uh, along with my phone. I had another screen going, but, you know, there's a delay. And then I've got I've got certain NFL insiders that when they tweet, I get the notification. So they're tweeting me before it's getting to me on the stream. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is not really happening. So I actually tried to put my phone into do not disturb so that I could watch and not be, you know, have it ruined for me. Because I like the whole theater of everything, right? But yeah, no, it definitely, uh, my, I, I was definitely interested because it ended up being a really, it kind of was a weird first round in terms of landing spots for a bunch of guys. And I, I looked at it and went, it was probably one of the more curious drafts I've seen from a fantasy perspective with the rookies coming in than I've seen in a while. Okay, let, let's start with the rookies then, because I got to ask you, how surprised were you that not one but two running backs went in the first round. Like I'm not, I'm not saying this to knock Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs because obviously they are just exceptionally talented football players, right? I, I actually am very much looking forward to seeing both of them operate in uh, in, in in the 2023 season. But like, I think I have a feeling you you and I have talked about this before, but I have a feeling that just generally speaking, value for your your best possible bang for your buck is probably not had by taking running backs in the first round. Like, no matter how good B. John Robinson turns out to be, it feels like the Atlanta Falcons taking him with a top 10 pick for a team that needed a lot of other things elsewhere and already had guys who did the job competently enough. Seems like, again, it's not like, I'm not saying he's going to be a bust or anything. It's just, it, it feels as though maybe the Falcons could have taken a wide receiver or they could have taken an offensive lineman or the best defender available, and, and instead they took a running back. Yeah, it's generally speaking, I mean, it's we don't get very many first round running backs like in recent memory. You know, you look at um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Travis Etienne, uh, Saquon Barkley at one point. Um, And then we get two in the first round. Uh, Josh Jacobs is another one. Zeke, first round. Ezekiel Elliott. Like it's it's not I mean, it's often enough, but they're not usually super high picks, especially lately. You know, when you look at, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the last pick in his draft. Uh, Jacobs and ETN were in the 20s. Barkley was high, uh, but that was a transcendent player. Um, It's just that the running back position, there's not very many transcendent players until they get to the NFL. And so it's just, it was, it was weird to me only because I thought Atlanta needed some other things. Um, and and that didn't happen. They ended up taking the running back, which is fine because clearly we saw what Arthur Smith wants to do. Uh, we saw it we saw it with uh, Algier last year, and we saw it with you know it was a multitude of of running backs that went through that system. But Hunt, uh, Huntley was another Caleb Huntley. Like we're talking guys that are getting 15 carries a game 
and multiple guys. So I think when we look at Bijan Robinson, I think with what they're trying to do with that offense, it makes sense. The Jameer Gibbs thing, I thought he could be a first rounder, but I didn't think it was, I never in my wildest dreams thought it was going to be 12 to the Lions. Like there was no way that I thought that that was happening, especially with DeAndre Swift in the fold and they just signed David Montgomery. That one was a very curious one. And for some people, that was not a great landing spot until the DeAndre Swift trade happened. I think we learned a lot about what the Lions thought about DeAndre Swift when they took Jameer Gibbs that high. But now that we look at it, it's him, it's David Montgomery. It's a really good offense. Jared Goff has another weapon to work with. Dare I say that it's actually probably ends up being one of the better landing spots for Gibbs because I think he's a better player at this point than David Montgomery. He at least allows you to do different things. But I think it's it's super interesting. B. John Robinson, they're talking about him being like Saquon Barkley. He's going to have his own value. Jameer Gibbs is going to have really good value. And I think some people, especially in redraft, they might get scared away a little bit because David Montgomery's there. But in PPR formats, I would be more than happy to spend decent draft capital on Jameer Gibbs because I truly believe in the talent. Yeah, look, I'm not I'm not going to pretend that I am a uh, like a college uh, college player savant here, but I have seen some comparisons for Gibbs be made to Alvin Kamara. And if there's an Alvin Kamara in this Jared Goff led offense, even with like Amon Ross St. Brown and the other guys that exist in this offense, and like you mentioned, David Montgomery, I think I'd feel pretty good taking him. I, I actually think like you know what it reminds me of with the Bijan thing? It does kind of remind me of when the Steelers took Najee Harris. And not in terms of like draft capital in real life, but in fantasy value wise, in uh Najee's rookie year, I, I want to say like his ADP was, I don't know, like a top 10 pick, a top 12 pick. Like he was not going, if he was going outside of the first round that particular year, it wasn't by a lot. And for the most part, he was going in the in the first round anyway. So I actually feel like given how much, and you and I talked about this on the air so much in 2022, but good God, Matt. The Atlanta Falcons, unless they have some kind of like major organizational philosophical shift, good Lord, they love to run the football. And they are like they like even when they were losing the game, they would run the ball over and over and over and over again. And it certainly feels like if you're going to take the best running back eighth overall in the NFL draft, you're like probably speaks to you want to run the ball some more. So if that's the case, like. I kind of wonder what the price for Bijan Robinson will end up being. Like it might, like it legitimately might end up being like when it, when it's all said and done. When we get to the preseason and he rips like a fifty-yard touchdown run on his like third touch of the game, I promise you, man, he is going to be like a top five pick come redraft leagues, come come uh, end of August, beginning of September. I look at I look at him this season, and I have this gut feeling that he is like back end first round high end second round, like on the turn type pick, because you look at, I think we're going to see a little bit of a shift towards more wide receivers getting taken higher. Like, I think you're going to see your Justin Jefferson's. You're going to see uh, Tyreek Hill. You're going to see Jamar chase, maybe not Tyreek Hill, but you're going to see Jamar chase certainly in that conversation. Um, and then you're going to, you know, Travis Kelsey still had a monster year. I still, I still believe that Travis Kelsey is going to be in that conversation. Like, back end first round, uh, you know, on the turn. And and then you've got McCaffrey, you've got um, Saquon Barkley. So you're now you're getting to, what are we, six, seven players deep here. 
and and maybe you include Tyree Kill in that conversation. Now we're having a, a legitimate conversation about Bijan B. Robinson, like six, seven, eight. Maybe Austin Eckler, if he's still in in L.A. with the Chargers, is in that conversation too. I mean, I'm I wouldn't be. I, I'm I'm saying right now he's going to be a first round pick. And that's without him with one touch in the NFL. Outside of injury, B. John Robinson is going to be a first-round pick in redraft formats. I, I His ADP will absolutely be there, and I have no shame in saying that because I do believe that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're probably right, and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just kind of funny because I remember you, we, you and I had the discussion about like what would the first round look like towards the end of the season last year, once the regular season was done, at least, and the fantasy playoffs were done. But it it definitely feels like someone is getting bumped out of the top ten, top twelve for Bijan, and that's that's probably the right thing to do given how the Falcons utilize running backs. But it's uh, pretty wild, and I mean, you probably have to also contend with. Guys like, you know, where does Josh Jacobs go? Where does uh, Brees Hall go, who was phenomenal until he tore his ACL? So where where does DeAndre Swift go, right? Like, where does uh, where does Gibbs go? Like, where do all these guys go in in leagues where, you know, quote-unquote bell cow running backs are not exactly uh, in, in, in um, high supply, let's say? Um, on, on the Gibbs thing, too, I, I, I don't think, for me, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to get scared off by David Montgomery. Now that Swift is gone, like wait, if Swift hadn't been traded, I might be like, eh, I don't know if I really want to invest too much of draft capital into Gibbs. But now that Swift is gone off to Philly, and we can talk about the winners and losers from uh, an existing uh, fantasy player standpoint in a couple minutes, but now that he is off to Philly, I think the Gibbs thing for me, it, it'll probably end up being very similar to last year in the sense that Last year we had Swift, and every time he touched the ball, he was a home run threat. But we still had Jamal Williams, and the guy had like a, a single season record for rushing touchdowns for the Detroit Lions. I think it was a, a record that was last set by Barry Sanders, and Jamal Williams broke it, which is pretty crazy. But now that they're they're effectively both gone, and you're going to have the same effectively the same kind of duo in uh, Gibbs and now. David Montgomery, I actually, not only do I think that I would feel okay spending like a, maybe a third round pick on Jameer Gibbs, depending on how he looks in the preseason, but there's probably some pretty good value to be had when it comes to David Montgomery. I think there is. The only difference is if we're playing that game of if David Montgomery is Jamal Williams and Jameer Gibbs is DeAndre Swift, the only difference is, is that I think that Jameer Gibbs is going to get more work in the red zone inside the five than DeAndre Swift did. Uh, Jamal Williams was the absolute vulture last year. Whether, 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 because we use, because we generally use vulture as a not so endearing term because he was a really good back outside of there. So I, I say it in the, in the most respectful way to Jamal Williams that he was the ultimate vulture last year. Like he had like, it felt like a hundred one yard touchdown runs last year. I do think that Jameer Gibbs is going to be involved more, which is why I think that there's more value with Gibbs than there was with Swift in that offense. And you know how I feel about DeAndre Swift. I think he's one of the most talented players in the NFL, just a matter of him staying healthy. So having said all that, um, David Montgomery is going to have value. They're paying him, I think, $6 million a year. I don't know how much he's guaranteed, but they're paying him $6 million a year. So you don't pay running backs that much money to not use them. I think that there it's going to be an offense that works fast. They're probably going to be in the 65 to 70 play per game range. 
And which means that if you're throwing the ball 35 times, well, that means that there's, you know, 30 or 35 touches for your running backs to go around. I mean, and throwing them all 35 times to, you know, wide receivers or 30 times wide receivers, tight ends, whatever. So there's lots of work to be had for running backs. And Jameer Gibbs is not going to walk into the NFL and get 25 touches a week. So you're looking at probably for both of them, 17 touches a week each. There's a lot of value in that, especially in an offense. It's going to be very good. You know, another offense that I think is going to be very good are the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, Geno Smith got uh, his raise in the offseason. Good for Geno. Um, probably one of the more, if not the most successful QB from that uh, that particular draft class. Was that the EJ Manuel draft class? The Geno Smith class? I think class? so. I think I it think was. So. EJ was so bad. <laughs> I mean, look, Geno Smith is also pretty bad with the Jets. But he uh, has now uh, certainly turned it around for the Seahawks. And and he's gotten some new toys to play with, right? He's gotten Jackson Smith and Jigba. And he's also gotten, uh, and I'm going to completely butcher his name, Zach Charbonnet. Is that, am, am I doing the French thing? Is, is that the is that the wrong pronunciation? I think so, but I mean, it could be Charbonnet. I don't know. Charbonnet. You know what? It probably what? is Charbonnet. It's American. Because, it's probably yeah, is. Yeah. Americanizing. Uh, kind of like Travis. Remember, I, I, I used to like saying Travis Etienne, but it, uh, now I've now learned it is Travis Etienne. So maybe yeah. it is Zach uh, Charbonnet, but... Um, he is now the, I guess, the running mate of Kenneth Walker. I have to say, like, when I saw the pick from the Seahawks when they took uh, Charbonnet and and they made him the like kind of backfield mate of, of Walker, I kind of groaned a little bit because I thought to myself, oh, man, like, Walker was so good down the stretch last year. And then they took another guy who was considered to be a very good short yardage back uh, and then... You know, are they just recreating the problems when last season opened and it was, you know, Rashad Penny and DJ Dallas and Chris Carson was sometimes in there in seasons prior as well. And so it's just it kind of feels like they went out and intentionally created another uh, quagmire here. And I mean, like, perhaps it's less of a, a big deal for wide receivers when it comes to Jackson Smith and Jigba and you're like mixing him in with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I think that's probably a better, like an easier thing to parse, but Boy, the addition of Charbonnet, I think, does kind of hurt Ken Walker a little bit. I think it does. And it's I think part of it is that he that Walker's not great as a pass catcher. So I think that was that was where the, you know, their decision making lied with bringing in Charbonnet. Um, listen, Geno Smith's got weapons here. Like he's got weapons out the wazoo. We don't even talk about, you know, what was supposed to be a great dynasty asset at one point. Noah Fant who was taken with a really high pick right then Denver Broncos. Like we don't even talk about him in that offense and he's, he's very talented. So I think, listen, Pete Carroll hates fantasy football. I'm pretty convinced of that. And so does John Schneider based on what they have done with this team. I, I mean, I think that I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is going to end up being a star in the NFL. And I think it hurts Tyler Lockett more than it hurts anybody else. The Charbonnet thing is just weird to me because Walker was really good. Like if you wanted a pass catching back, you probably could have waited. Like if you really felt highly about Deuce Vaughn, you maybe could have taken him around earlier than what the Cowboys did with the seventh round pick. Um, or, or Kenny, I think they actually ended up taking Kenny McIntosh, who was, I thought was a really, really good pass catcher out of Georgia. They took him late in the draft. So I really thought that Seattle was going to try and, 
work on their defense or maybe their offensive line to give them a little bit of help. And that's not what ended up happening. So it's an offensive league. And I think there's a lot of situations for first round picks where we look at it and go, well, that didn't play out the way we thought it was going to. And we were hoping for a better landing spot. I think, you know, a lot of people had Jackson Smith and Jigba as their first rated wide receiver ends up being the first one taken, but not in a spot that people thought. I think people thought, you know, maybe in the in the early to mid teens he was going to get taken as opposed to where he did. So I still have him. Listen, talent wins out. And I think he's going to end up surpassing Tyler Lockett pretty quickly. And Tyler Lockett's no spring chicken. He's over 30. Like there is, there is lots of room for improvement here. And I, I think he's going to end up being just fine where he is. Yeah. I, I do think like the, the, the Charbonnet and Smith and Jigba picks kind of scream to me. Well, Geno Smith, he was pretty good, but he'll also be 33 years old midway through this coming season. And so, like, no matter how good you think he is, he's obviously not going to be your quarterback for the next, like, 10 years, right? So why not stock up as much as possible for the offensive cupboard to make it as appealing as humanly possible for a, uh, like, a, like a, either a free agent or a rookie or someone like that to eventually replace him? So I, I do think that's probably a, like at least part of the reasoning because, you know, the shelf life for... Um, well, running backs might not be super long for wide receiver is definitely a bit longer. And I was just, I was looking up while you're talking. So DK Metcalf under contract until 2025 lock it also under contract until the same year, but he'll be 31 years old by the middle of this season. So maybe at the end of 2023, they move on from Lockett, like they trade him, you know, to, to free up some cash and. Smith and Jigba and Metcalf are the new duo there. I mean, also maybe Lockett just balls out anyways with less coverage on him and he and he stays and they have a dangerous little trio going on in Seattle as well for Gino or for whoever else they want to keep there. So I, I get it from like a real life standpoint, but, but you're right. Uh, John Schneider, um, which I always forget is the name of the Seattle uh, general manager. And uh, given that it is, you know, he shares a name with the Blue Jays uh, manager as well. But uh, I think between him and uh, and, and Pete Carroll, they, uh, like you said before, they are, uh, and I'm not going to go so far as to call them like fantasy football terrorists, but they are like pretty, <laughs> they're pretty close, Matt. Um, I, before we get to the winners and losers for, for existing players, because we kind of already talked about it with Dave Montgomery and some other guys, uh, the Tyler Lockett and Metcalf as well. Um, I wanted to get to the other quote unquote, the other wide receivers that were taken. Cause there was that moment in the first round where like all, like all four of the top four receivers went in a row, basically like starting with uh, Smith and Jigba, but you have like, like you got a uh, Jordan Addison going to the Minnesota Vikings. You got Quentin Johnson going to the uh, Los Angeles chargers. You got Zay flowers going to go play with Lamar, the newly re-signed Lamar in, uh, in Baltimore. And um, certainly another pass catching option that I, I just, I need your opinion on before we go is uh, Dalton Kincaid going to the bills. But first the receivers, I just, I'm not like, I'm not entirely convinced again, all of them are going to produce immediate dividends right away. Like if you're, if you're Jordan Addison, for example, that guy is super talented. He probably has the best opportunity to produce because Adam Thielen is gone. We know Kirk Cousins has to throw the ball to someone not named uh, not named Justin Jefferson. 
and not name TJ Hawkinson. So someone has to get the ball there. So I imagine Jordan Addison is going to provide some dividends, but I'm curious your thoughts on him and maybe what you can expect from like Zay Flowers in a very run heavy offense or even Quentin Johnson, given that he is, you know, kind of behind both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams in the depth chart in LA. Yeah, it, it, like again, it was it was kind of curious landing spots because every one of those guys who we thought could come in and be like maybe not the alpha, but be, you know, like a, a, a high end wide receiver, one wide receiver two on their respective teams, maybe not in fantasy right away, but on their respective teams. So Jackson Smith and Jigba goes to Seattle where he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett essentially ahead of them. Quinton Johnson goes to, like you mentioned, the Chargers with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen ahead of him. Now, I think they move on from Keenan Allen after this season. That would be my guess. And I think Quentin Johnson's going to be fine, but we got to wait for that. Zay Flowers goes in and he starts as the as the slot, starting slot receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. And I think that the Ravens are going to throw more than they have in years past because they just gave Lamar a lot of money. They want to keep him upright. I think you're going to see a lot of J.K. Dobbins, a lot of Gus Edwards. And I think you're going to see a little bit less running from Lamar Jackson. I know it's not it's not completely off the board, but I think you're going to be see a little bit less. This is why they wanted to go out and get these guys. Now, having said all that, I think we do look at um, how this is all kind of set itself up. I agree. I don't think a lot of these guys are going to be producing a ton right away, but I do think by the end of the year, they will separate themselves at least a little bit, but it was just a really bizarre draft on, you know, putting all these guys in those spots. Like if one of them landed in Houston or one of them landed in, um, Carolina high, higher. Like I know Jonathan Mingo went there and that's fine. He'll be just fine there. But like there were other spots where he looked at and went, wow, that would have been so much better. Or so, you know, somebody, one of these receivers landing in Buffalo to be the starting slot guy. We saw the success Cole Beasley had. So that's the type of thing that I'm seeing, but I agree. Like I'm not investing high redraft capital into any of these guys, but as dynasty picks, like they're all first rounders. In my opinion, I don't think yeah. any of those guys fall out of the first round in rookie dynasty drafts. So, I mean, it's it's just, again, such a weird draft that we saw. And the landing spots for some of these guys was just like, oh, OK, made people a lot less excited, I think. Uh, Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams, I knew they were making a lot of money next year, Matt. My God, they are both signed through 2024 and both have cap numbers over thirty two million dollars. That's insane. Like, that's I, I, it's, it, like that's a lot of money for two wide receivers. Like, and don't be wrong; they've been they've been good, but good heavens, that's a lot of money. It says here the Chargers could save more than twenty million by cutting either one of them, or forty million by cutting them both. So I got it. I mean, you got to think that, like you said, dynasty wise, in a couple of years or keeper leagues, for example, Quentin Johnson probably going to carry a little more value. I. I'm in a league with some of my pals from university, and I've been in this league for a number of years now. And the rules are you get to keep, so you get you keep five, it's five keeper league every year, and you can keep a player for two years at the cost, it's an auction league. So at the cost, you pick them up in the auction draft, okay? But then once, once the first two years expire, there's like an A year, your B year, and then once they enter their C year, uh, what happens is, you can either keep them at the cost for this C year, or so let's say you draft, let's say you draft like, I don't know, uh, Quentin Johnson for $10. You keep him for $10 next year, $10 in the year after. And then in the C year, you can either choose to keep him for $10, after which point he goes back into the pool and he can be drafted by anyone, or you can extend him for $5 a year for up to five years. 
and then let's so then and then you pay the the total cost. So if I extend him for another three years, then his cost now becomes you add fifteen dollars onto ten, so his cost becomes twenty five dollars a year starting that year. Um, so it's like it's kind of led to some interesting maneuverings as to like who wants to keep some guys and who you trade for knowing they could blow up or do you take risks on older guys with higher keeper values because they're going to go back into the, the pool no matter what for example you know what i mean like that kind of stuff always really fascinates me um all that to say how much money should i be spending on quentin johnson in the auction draft this year because i need to beat these dgens at something Oh man. I, I mean, it depends on your budget, but I, I think you can probably safely get him at like 10 bucks, probably even cheaper yeah. is my guess because everybody's just, it's redraft, right? Like it is, it'll still a form of redraft. So I just look at it and say, you could probably get him around $10. And I think that that's going to pay pretty good dividends for you as a keeper, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I gotta like, I just, I, I think, I think everyone in this league I love these guys. I think we <laughs> they all go a little crazy for the rookies um, or like guys who, you know, guys who are like suspended, for example, and then you get them on like cheaper deals and so on. Anyways, it's just kind of a, I know like, you know, the whole adage, like no one cares about your fantasy team other than you, but I am, um, those kinds of like little quirks are always what makes the, when we get the questions and so on on the people's text line, always what makes it a uh, pretty fun. Um, before we wrap up on the rookies, um, real quick, Dalton Kincaid. What did you think? Like, what was the what was the consensus from the Marchese household on Kincaid being picked in the first round? I was surprised. Um, but after I did some research and I heard some people talking about it, it did make sense. So basically, Daw- Dawson Knox is going to be doing a lot of blocking. It sounds like, and and Dalton Kincaid is going to end up being basically like a jumbo slot receiver. He's athletic. You know, as far as I've a lot of what I've been reading is a lot of scouts had him as the most sure handed pass catcher in this draft, regardless of position. So to me, that says a lot about what the bills think of him. Now he went ahead of Michael Mayer, who, who was by all accounts going to be the TE one in this draft. And the athletic profile of Kincaid really kind of is what set him apart. I think somebody mentioned him in the same light as Travis Kelsey. And my thought was, okay, let's relax a little bit because Travis (laughs) Kelsey may be the greatest tight end of all time by the time it's all said and done. But Travis Kelsey was a third round pick and it does take time. But I think when you look at the quarterback situation, Josh Allen gets that big target that he can use. The bills had a lot of issues working the middle of the field last year. And, and because they didn't have that Cole Beasley type, I look at this situation and say, I'm open to the idea he can dominate in the middle. He's going to have mismatches all around the field. They can use him out wide. You can use him as an inline tight end or out of the slot. Like every, they can use him everywhere. And I think it can create a big advantage for them. The only concern is, is that he had a back injury. He was cleared of all that. And I think that's why they were able to get him, but they traded up to get him to get past Dallas. And I, I think Dallas was very interested, especially based on the fact that they ended up taking a tight end in the second round, probably ahead of where everybody thought he was going to go. So I, I like the pick. I'm curious to see. It wouldn't be nice to have a guy like Travis Kelsey in your offense, wouldn't it? Like, I think that's what people dream of because of the mismatches. So if he can be, if he can be three quarters of Travis Kelsey, I will be happy with the pick. Oh my gosh, three! I mean, three quarters of Travis Kelsey for a rookie tight end is probably. Well, I mean, I mean over his career. Good. I mean, oh, over okay, his okay, career. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Over his career. I was gonna say like, geez, that's a man, rookie that's tight end. That's that's the <laughs> thousand yards. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so here, here, I was looking it up. So just I want you to guess, okay? Not counting Kyle Pitts' rookie season because that wasn't that long ago. So not counting Kyle Pitts since the since two thousand, let's say, 
who who is another rookie tight end who you you would have maybe put your put your money on as having a successful season? I thought T.J. Hawkinson was going to be the one. I think he ended up he got hurt his rookie year, so that was part of the thing. But I was convinced that T.J. Hawkinson was going to light the world on fire. So I'm just I'm just I'm looking it up right now. So the only handful of of uh, rookie tight ends specifically that had very good seasons are Evan Engram, my my guy. Yep, <laughs> Evan Engram, yep, your favorite. He, he had a 722 receiving yards in 2017 on 64 catches. He had six receiving touchdowns. That is the let's see the eighth most receiving yards by a rookie tight end. He like he's actually the only one of three guys to have more than 700 receiving yards as a rookie tight end. The other guy, of course, is Kyle Pitts, who has the second most at uh, 1,026. The other guy, Jeremy Shockey, has the third oh, yeah. most. Jeremy Shockey. It was 2002, man. Like, we yeah. actually haven't seen too many rookie tight ends have very good seasons. Like, John Carlson is down there. 2008, he had 627. Timothy Wright, remember him in 2013 with yeah. the Buccaneers, had 571. Uh, you got Noah Fant in 2019. You got Mark Andrews all the way down there in 2018, and he had 552. So, I guess all that to say is that rookie seasons – for tight ends, fantasy wise, probably uh, like a like a I mean, draft Dalton Kincaid if you want, but definitely it, it's not exactly a safe bet. Let's say for fantasy production. No, a tight end is one of the hardest positions to it. I mean, quarterback is the hardest, but tight end is different in the NFL than it is in college because you're asked to block a lot more. And let's face it, the guys are just bigger, faster, stronger in the NFL, which makes it a lot harder if you are not a decent blocking tight end. So I, I think, like, I mean. If Dalton Kincaid went out and had 700 receiving yards this year, I would not be surprised. It's an offense that throws the ball a lot. I think they want to keep Josh Allen upright, which is why they they you know they signed Damian Harris. They just signed Latavius Murray. I think they want Josh Allen to throw a little bit more, but they got to be able to use the middle of the field. And maybe that's a little bit more Khalil Shakir, and maybe it's a lot of Dalton Kincaid and really kind of use that to your advantage. So. If he had 700 yards, I wouldn't be surprised. But the you know history tells us that that's probably not going to happen. I um I look forward to having the where does James Cook fit into this offense conversation with you? Oh buddy, <laughs> we get oh buddy, closer. that's 1,200 all-purpose yards this year. <laughs> Put that in the bank. I I I uh I honestly think when I get to that draft later on this uh this season I think I, I this uh this summer rather I think I might legitimately like I think I might legit overspend on cook and it'll be all your fault. It'll be, yeah. <laughs> you will have, I'll, take, me I'll take the blame for that. I'll take the blame <laughs> for that. Um, I want to get to those winners and losers with you. We don't have to go through too, too many of them because we have talked about a handful of them already, but I, um, I dare say for me and I'll, maybe I'll, I'll give you three winners and three losers. And if you have a less or more, you can do the same map. But for me, I think for me, the, the some of the winners, the clear cut winners, now that the draft is over, Lamar Jackson has officially been re-signed by the Baltimore Ravens to a gigantic mega deal. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is now officially a New York Jet, and uh, apparently in the first like week of his New York residency, he already went to take in a Rangers game, and he already went to take in like, a, a Mets game, and he's going to watch the Knicks, I'm sure, play, and the Yankees too, right? So good for Aaron Rodgers. I guess Aaron Rodgers is now discovering there are sports other than football now that he's not spending all his time in Green Bay, but... Um, he's, he clearly has a, a Billy Joel-esque residency at MSG, it, it would seem. Um, but 
now that he is signed in New York, my one of my big winners, honestly, after the draft, or two of my big winners, Lamar Jackson himself, I think, is one of the biggest winners, given that he now has Zay Flowers, the Ravens had already signed Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you think J.K. Dobbins is going to be a little bit healthier. Mark Andrews is still there. They got him some uh, you know, smaller supplementary pieces. The offensive line is probably still going to be very good, right? I, I love what they have done for Lamar Jackson because I, I've said this to you many times, but I've always been a huge critic of, of them surrounding him with pass-catching weapons, and I think Zay Flowers is an electric weapon, and I kind of hate the fact that he went to Baltimore because I thought he would fit in nicely on the Patriots, but I, uh, I, I digress. I think he'll look great next to Lamar Jackson. And, by, and the same, the same kind of token, the weapons in New York probably all get a bit of an upgrade, and I think the name that stands out to me the most is Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I think, listen, it, it only took them till they needed to sign Lamar to a massive extension to get him weapons, but that's just bad management. Um, the Ravens used to get praised for being smart, and I don't think they were very smart with this this whole Lamar Jackson fiasco, but they got it done, and I agree. Lamar Jackson is the best weapons that he's had in his career. Um, I'd be curious to see how they all fit. Flowers is a great fit for sure. Um, but yeah, Garrett Wilson getting Aaron Rodgers after the year that he had last year, his rookie year with you know, Mike White and Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson all throwing in the ball. I don't think you could ask for much better than that. Like, that's a pretty significant upgrade. Aaron Rodgers also goes to a team that has really good weapons, Brees Hall. They've got Michael Carter in their backfield as well. Um, you know, we talked about Wilson. They've got, um, uh, they brought in Alan Lazard. Like, it, it's, and their offensive line is pretty good too. Uh, no Elijah Moore, because he got traded to the Browns. That would have been fun to watch him with Aaron Rodgers, but he gets, you know, Deshaun Watson. So it's fine. I, I think that the, the jets are going to be really good. And as a bills fan, that pains me to say that, but I think it's the God's honest truth. I think they're going to be really good. They finally got a quarterback. Like they were winning games with Joe Flacco. Like, come on. Right. They even won a few games with, with Zach Wilson. So I, I think that they're in a, in a good spot. And, and I think Aaron Rodgers is a great fit there. Yeah, I oh, I can't wait to I can't wait to hit that that keep button, check the keeper box next to Gary Wilson <laughs> in in one of my <laughs> in one of my leagues. Um, I'll, I'll get to one more with you, Tony Pollard. I I actually like I don't hate what the Cowboys did, but I do think what they did do, despite the fact that they drafted um, what was his name, Deuce Vaughn, I believe it was yep. name was, but yep, seventh from, round from Kansas State. Like so, he definitely a nice playmaker. He could probably carve out a little role for himself in a, in a Dallas offense that I think you usually project to be relatively prolific. But I like, I know he had the, the fractured uh, fibula against the 49ers last year. So his health, I think you just kind of are wondering how he's going to look at coming off a serious injury. But at the same time, like Zeke is gone even before Zeke was gone. Tony Pollard was excellent. And again, I don't see Deuce Vaughn, fulfilling the effectively the Tony Pollard role of the last couple of years because he's he's going to be there to spell Pollard. But I guess if if Tony Pollard is the guy, the man in the backfield and is somewhat of a bell cow with, with uh, the new offensive coordinator and Brian Schottenheimer who loves to run the ball, honestly, he might be like we're not we don't talk about him a lot as a top pick and he probably will go in the second or third round. But I do think that ultimately he could be a guy who is a he was a league winner last year for a lot of people, but Matt, he could be the guy this year who is drafted in the, in the back end of the second round, beginning of the third round, who provides first round value if uh, if if no one else returns here and muddies up the waters. 
I think he's going to end up finishing, if he's healthy, as a top five running back this year. I think it's wheels up. Zeke's not going to be, I mean, he may come back and take a little bit of the work, but I think this is Tony Pollard's backfield to lose at this point. And we saw what he could do. He's a dynamic pass catcher. He's great between the tackles. I really like Tony Pollard. I actually think he's going to go higher than early third. Like, I think he's like mid to high end second round pick just because of that upside. Like, it's like an Austin Eckler type upside. Not as good of a pass catcher, but same type of idea in that he does provide that service for you in that offense. So I think he's, man, I, I think that Tony Pollard's going to have a monster year this year. So who are your, uh, who are your, your winners? We can get to losers in a sec here, but who are, who are your big winners after the, like the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes are over. Rogers is in New York. NFL draft is over. Like, I'm sure we'll see some, like another wave of like a minor wave of free agency, some trades probably as the season continues or as the off season continues, summer goes on. But I am curious, like where where do you land for some of the winners from the uh, now that the now that the dust is settled? Well, we talked about Geno Smith already. That was one of them. Um, DeAndre Swift was a loser when the draft started, but then I think he ended up becoming a winner going to the Eagles. Now it's yeah. a busy backfield. Like there's Kenny Gainwell there, Rashad Penny's there, Boston Scott is somehow still there. It's like a cockroach; you can't kill him. Um, but DeAndre Swift goes to the best offensive line in the NFL. And that's not to say anything about the Detroit Lions offensive line last year, because it was good, but this is an offense that they, they traded for him. So they clearly see some value in having Deandre Swift in their offense. And they didn't have that home run hitter. Like Miles Sanders was a decent running back, but I don't think he has the same type of, you know, big playability like Deandre Swift does. Uh, Rashad Penny has been hurt for a lot of his career. Uh, same can be said about DeAndre Swift, but I think that the opportunity knocks for DeAndre Swift here. I think he ends up being a big winner going to Philly. Um, speaking of Miles Sanders, I think he's a big winner because Carolina brought him in as a free agent, and clearly they're comfortable with him and Chuba Hubbard taking touches in that backfield. They did not go out and get anybody. They're vastly improved at quarterback with Bryce Young, and their wide receivers, they brought in DJ Chark. They brought in Adam Thielen. They brought in Jonathan Mingo. They still have Terrace Marshall Jr. and LaVisca Chennault. Like, they have a lot of weapons there, and I think having those pass catchers in your offense really gives you an advantage in the running game. Their offensive line is pretty good, so I think that Miles Sanders ends up being, like, he could be one of those guys that surprises this year, and Philly kind of used him a little weird last year as well, so I, I think Miles Sanders is a big winner here. The other guy, um, and it's uh, close to our heart here as a Canadian, um, John Mechie, I think, is a winner, not only because he's back on the field, uh, after his cancer diagnosis last year and missing the entire season. He is cancer-free from what they tell us. He's on the field. He's a former second-round pick. He, and, and you know, we, again, missed last year, a big development year. But Houston really only went out and added slot receiver Tank Dell. I know they added Xavier Hutchinson, but that's a sixth-round pick. John Mechie's a second-round pick by this regime. Uh, Nick Casario, the GM, he was an outstanding college player. And really, only Nico Collins and Robert Woods are kind of ahead of him on the depth chart this year. I expect that with C.J. Stroud at the helm, that John Mechie is going to have a really, really good season. I like the Mechie pick. I do. I, I mean, like, first of all, I'm, it's it's just great, no matter who he is, that it, that he's cancer-free, leukemia-free, wonderful to hear and see. Um, and I hope he gets back on the field as soon as humanly possible. But that's because that's really awesome. And uh, like you said, Canadian, good old Canadian boy. Right. So that's always really fun. So I like the Mechie pick for sure. Um, actually, it's funny while you were talking about Miles Sanders, I thought to myself, like, 
Oh yeah, I guess he did sign with the Carolina Panthers, and then I'm like, oh, wait, did, where did Foreman go? Sign with the Chicago Bears. It just like all all of those those uh, transactions and free agent kind of switcheroos as the carousel for both quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers always goes in uh, in 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 the off season. It felt I kind of like forgot almost so that that uh, Foreman went to Chicago. So yeah, I do I actually do like the landing spot for um for Miles Sanders. Uh, real quick, a couple of losers. I, I guess it's like some of these we kind of talked about already so we don't have to spend too much time on it but tyler algier yeah i think was one of my favorite sleepers because like after the season ended because you know he was over a thousand yards in the atlanta offense he was given the ball a lot and then the drafted the falcons drafted B. John robinson with eight overall so i mean like you're not going to spend a top 10 pick in the draft on a running back if you don't intend to use the guy as much as humanly possible so if that's the case like basically every running back even even patterson to a certain degree probably takes like a bit of a knock right so because you i think you're going to ex- you would expect that bijan robinson takes a takes a bit of a rise perhaps i do i do kind of wonder also Matt, if if ryan Tannehill might not be considered a bit of a loser, right? Just because Will Levis taken with one of the first picks of the second round. And again, he was, he was viewed as maybe going a little higher. And of course, maybe Tannehill is going to stick around at least for the end of this season. But I mean, speaking of the Falcons, Arthur Smith, his former offensive coordinator from Tennessee is now the head coach or has been the head coach of Atlanta for a while. And and they they are in need of a quarterback, not to diss Desmond Ritter or anything, but I just, I kind of wonder if maybe you just don't see Tannehill get traded at some point from Tennessee to Atlanta, and then they, they give the reins, so to speak, to Will Levis. Yeah, I actually, it's funny that you mentioned Will Levis. I actually had him as one of the losers of this weekend. And I know we're talking about like active players, but for me, talking about a guy that was people had as a top 10 pick, um, and he may start this year, and it's not a super exciting skill group. Like Traylon Burks is there, Chiga Conquil, who was great at the end of the year, is there. They're talking about moving Derrick Henry. I guess that can still happen. Like, I don't know. I, I feel bad for him starting in year one if he ends up doing that. And if they they do decide to trade Ryan Tannehill, same thing. But I do I do kind of like the the idea of Tannehill going to uh, Atlanta because I think he's better at this point than Desmond Ritter. I think it boosts the values of guys like Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Bijan Robinson as, and I'm not a big Tannehill guy, but I think he's a better fit there. Uh, I'm not, I'm not big on Desmond Ritter. I thought that they were actually going to try and move up in the draft to take a quarterback, but Hey, the heck do I know? Um, but yeah, Algier is absolutely a massive loser in this. I can't, he's going to be a great handcuff if Bijan goes down, but outside of that, I don't think there's a lot of value there. Yeah, ooh, boy, not not a not the greatest of scenarios for um the Atlanta the Atlanta running backs not named B. John Robinson. Uh, I I the only other guys I really got here Donovan Peoples Jones. I know he was a popular sleeper. Elijah Moore probably completely ethers that. And then I think for in the same sense, K.J. Osborne was a pretty uh, popular sleeper with the Vikings. And I think Jordan Addison probably puts an end to that too, right? Because we saw like we saw last year Kirk Cousins throw the ball a whole hell of a lot to not only Justin Jefferson, but to TJ Hawkinson. So it's kind of like any targets that you could eke out elsewhere beyond those two were going to be a, a pretty valuable, but they're not certainly not going to go to KJ Osborne, probably going to go to Addison. So barring barring some kind of injury, of course. So they're probably losers as well, unfortunately. Do you have any other ones? I, I had Osborne. I just wanted to point out with Osborne, talking about a sleeper, like he, last six weeks of the year, he was wide receiver 12 yeah, he was in great. PPR format. So I thought that... He was going to get out unscathed. I thought that maybe, you know, the Vikings would go defense with their first round pick because, you know, they couldn't stop a nosebleed last year. Um, the only other guy I had, and we kind of mentioned this, 
Uh, Dawson Knox. So Buffalo goes out and trades up in the first round to get Dalton Kincaid. You know, again, one of the best pass catchers in the draft. And and I think this just means a lot more blocking for Dawson Knox, who I was just surprised at the pick, too, because they got a big he got a big extension, especially for a tight end. Um, and now they have Dalton Kincaid like you pay a lot of money for him just to block. So I do wonder if maybe there's a trade at play there to move Dawson Knox to create some cap space and kind of work around it. But, yeah, he was the only other guy that I had. Yeah, I think um, I do kind of wonder if maybe they'll they'll they'll. I don't want to say emulate, but like they'll go towards the two tight end set thing, like the Gronk and Hernandez thing we've seen in years past. Or for example, I, I just make that a comparison because I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan, but um, I do kind of wonder if that's where they go, because like you said, they're, they're not like you do want to Dox and Knox to stick around and you don't want him to only block. Although certainly it helps when your, your quarterback is uh, one, Mr. Josh Allen, um, Matt, this was fun. I, it it kind of feels like getting back in the saddle again after a couple of months off, I guess the next time we'll do this will be, I guess the summer, I guess maybe like July and we'll start doing our previews for the various, uh, the various divisions and positional uh, battles like we usually do. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, all of a sudden it'll be uh, September and the, the season will be here again. I can't wait for the season to start as it is every year. When the season ends, I go, Oh man, I can't wait for the next season to start. <laughs> well, uh, our, we have to get our, uh, the rest of the, our, our D gens, um, here at the fan and across the network, uh, back in the saddle as well for our big, uh, 14 team league. So we'll have to get the draft scheduled for that. But, uh, until we do, and until we get back going, uh, again, on the airwaves for the, uh, the previews this summer, it's been a lot of fun, Matt. And I'll uh, talk again soon, man. Yeah, sounds good. Everybody uh, check this workout. Okay. So, you know, subscribe to the podcast and, and follow us on Twitter, all that wonderful stuff. Like I, I dare you to, I double dare you to. I think you will probably also get a healthy dose of um, Leafs and Blue Jays takes. If you do follow us on Twitter, which you can do uh, for me, SNS alley with two L's for Matt, Maddie Mar 89 on Twitter as well. But we appreciate you being alongside us for a podcast edition of the fantasy show. We'll talk to you this summer. Talk to you later.